0: We were wrong.
1: We were wrong. We were wrong. I was wrong. wrong. Absolutely. Very wrong.
0: Yeah. I mean you were more wrong than me. Welcome to The Red Line, presented by Isles Fix, your only daily New York Islanders newsletter. Subscribe at islesfix.substack.com. Phil Farber, David Tuckman, we are here once again, and somehow, Phil, we avoided the podcast jinx. It looked like, for a moment, that we were going to head into each and every podcast with some devastating uh, loss. And uh, somehow we averted that last night against the anaheim ducks
1: it wasn't tuesday that's why if this Ah! is a tuesday game then you got the two the full tuesday jinx the full meltdown not and and they they listen they almost did it to us last night against another mediocre team blew a two goal lead um but no not on wednesday not on hanukkah not this time
0: We got a Hanukkah miracle, as, as you said right before the broadcast started. Uh, we'll get through all the games, but I do want to touch on last night because last night did feel like a little bit of a trap game, you know? Uh, you know no, Mo- no Mayfield, no Pelic, no Pollock. We come off a couple of big wins, especially an emotional win against the, uh, the Maple Leafs. Last night was the kind of game that w- we lose a lot, and I was really encouraged by the first period. Um, I was also scared by the first period.
1: Right, outshooting them 13 to 2, no goals to show for it. Gibson looking pretty sharp. Just felt like the kind of game where and they kept saying it on the broadcast, like Gibson Hickey kept mentioning it. Gibson knows how to steal a game. He's a good goalie who's played played for a bad team for several years, but every once in a while he'll come out and and play his balls off and you thought maybe during the first period like okay, we're we're not connecting on passes cleanly. We're not allowing anything the other way, but all it takes is one stupid Ducks goal. And and they had a couple of really stupid ones in the second period. Um, so it was very, very grateful to see Kyle Palmieri once again, committed to hurting his old teams as he always does.
0: Yeah. He's uh, he has just uh, done it again and again. That was a hell of, heck of a play. And we'll talk about uh, the fourth line and fashing to Brock Nelson to Palmieri. And he finally buries it. But yeah, there, there are games like that. And I think, you know, as an Islander fan, We know that all too well, Um, whether it was Leonard or Grice or more recently, Varley and Sorokin. We have stolen games and uh, we're certainly on the right side of that once in a while. And and occasionally it does happen. But, hey, two points is two points. And, you know, some people might point at it. "Ah, they, 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 They were up to nothing. They can't. They can't do comebacks. I'm looking around the league, and it seems to be an epidemic. I mean, it seems to be everywhere. I'm wondering from a betting perspective, and I have not done the research. Maybe somebody else can do out, out there. I'm wondering if you bet on every, every t- uh, team in live betting, and live betting, of course, is when you can bet during the game, which is an option nowadays. If you bet on every team that was down two goals, okay, with at least, say, a period left,
1: where would you be? You'd probably be doing well. I mean, just off the top of my head, Carolina blew a two nothing lead in Calgary in the third period a couple weeks, or about a week ago. The LA Kings last night two nothing against a very banged up Winnipeg team, and that's on top of the two nothing lead that they blew to us two games ago. Right for them. Uh, before that, I was watching the Leafs play Boston a couple weeks ago, and Toronto did to them what they did to us. They scored the five on six goal or the six on five goal with about six seconds left or something like that. There have been seemingly an inordinate amount of teams that have been tying it up late in games. The San Jose Sharks, they did to the Detroit Red Wings the very next game, what they did to us, and, and more, right? They Even came worse, it was down, four, nothing. 4 4 nothing down, right? With a couple shorthanded goals in the same power play. And then they scored to tie it up, and then they won their OT. And then the Sharks, the very next game after that, um, I think it was the very next game, they played Vegas, and they were down two goals with five minutes left, and they sent it to overtime. They ended up losing in a shootout, but... Seemingly, any team is capable of erasing any deficit. We've seen in the past, in these four games, you know, you want to see the Islanders leading in most games. And again, they've spent so much time with the lead, so little time trailing, but at the same time, you want to kind of get a, a, you know, a glimpse as to, okay, how does this team play from behind? And we saw it in the game against Columbus, right? Against Columbus, they went down 2-1 in the the second period, and then immediately they tie it up, they they take the lead on the power play, which we'll talk about the power play and what an asset that's been this year. L.A. Kings, uncomfortable situation, playing down 2 nothing. Last night, they get themselves into a pickle where they're down 3-2 to two late in the third period, and they're able to have the power play bring them back from that. So teams are coming back more. Now, that doesn't make any of us feel any better about the fact that the Islanders have done this regularly and against all levels of competition, ranging from the Maple Leafs to the Ducks to the Sharks, two goal leads, three goal leads. It has to stop. It has to get better but all things considered with the depleted blue line missing 3 of your top 5 defensemen right now and being able to make it work and still accumulate points is very impressive.
0: Yeah, it really is. In uh years past losing Pellic, Pellic was our MVP. There was really no doubt about it. I mean, you looked at when you know, we lost Barzal, we could still win. You lose Nelson for a few games, yeah, it's a big loss, we still you could still kind of tread water. But whenever Pellic was out, you look at our record, and it was just awful over the last few years. I mean, absolutely seven awful. wins in
1: 21 games last year. Seven yeah, and, and I
0: years. mean, look at the year before that. The year before that, every single time pellic missed time, this team absolutely just hit an iceberg and sank like the Titanic. We were dead, um, and it is refreshing and encouraging to see that. This team can not only stay afloat, but flourish without Pellick. Now, I'll argue that Pellick hasn't been the same defenseman he was for three, four years ago. I'll also argue that Ryan Pollock has not been that defenseman. But what I'm encouraged by, and this will go into our first topic of conversation, is how good Romanoff and Dobson have been. And with their emergence, and this was kind of interesting because last year a lot of people thought, hey, can we put those two together? Can they be a pair for the next eight years? and they were they just weren't up to task early in the season. Neither one was ready yet. So they had to split them up. And we have seen over the last few years how good Pollock and Pellic together are. And how when you separate them, they are not the same. You know, it's one of those, you know, the sum of the parts is not equal that kind of thing.
1: Chemistry. Um, Chemistry is very real in hockey. And
0: I'm real right. And I am really excited about this and I think if you're an island defend you really have to be if Romanov and Dobson are a pair and they look amazing right now and the analytics support this and that that gives Lane the ability to put Pellick and Pollock back together, talk about a top four. And I don't care who's first pair, who's second pair, depending on do we need a goal, do we not need a goal, so forth and so on. That top four is, I'd argue, as good as any top four in the league.
1: It becomes a 1A and 1B situation, like you said, deployment Depends on what the situation is, right? If you're looking to protect the lead with two minutes left, right? You're probably going to go to Pelican Pollock. If you're looking to get a goal with two minutes left, you're probably going to go with Dobson Romanov. You might even go with Dobson Riley at that point, depending yeah. on, on how things are going. Um, You've yeah, options now, though. You have options now. The analytics behind it, I mean, they've got about a 60% expected goals for with Dobson and Romanov out on the ice, which is, you know, amazing. Um, An actual goals for of nine to two. Which is, That's which is incredible. So yeah, you don't need. They, to be I able- mean, they're 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 obviously getting good save percentage from their goaltenders, um, and good shooting percentage on the other side when they're on the ice. But the underlying numbers being this strong for them when it's not like they're in a sheltered role. These guys are both playing roughly twenty to twenty two minutes a night of oh. even strength hockey and playing top competition right now because they are the top pair. And they're doing it without the support of, of pelican Pullock being in the lineup. It's it's really been quite extraordinary. Caution, small sample sizes. Let's see how it plays out over a greater period of time. And hopefully we get pelican Pullock back soon. But you have to be very, very encouraged by what we're seeing here in the second season of, of Romanov and Dobson. Being given a run together.
0: Yeah, Dobson's growth this past year has just been remarkable. I mean, we saw it last year during the season with Romanov, and I think a lot of people who who, who know hockey and watch hockey could see Romanov and could see him becoming a legitimate top four defenseman and an absolute beast at, at a young age. Uh, many of us did not believe in Dobson, but I'll give him credit. Uh, apparently... Uh, he went to he went to Adam Oates in the off season. I wonder if that was uh, Bo Horvath's, uh suggestion because Bo Horvat's uh, emergence late in his career, he credits a lot of that to Adam Oates. Adam Oates, by the way, of course, uh, one of the greatest playmakers to ever play the game um, is a private coach for a lot of NHL players. And a lot of NHL players will actually point to Oatesy and be like, yeah, this dude, he, he was great. Uh, as yeah, an aside, I mean, what, by the way, the guy weird? I coach with, one of my best friends, actually played at RPI with him. Oh, wow. Yeah, pretty fun.
1: Yeah, I mean, Dobson, I'll say, like, you know, the most, more impressive than the offensive output, and the the offensive output's been nuts. 29 points in 28 games for D-Man. But it's not,
0: but here's the thing, though, Phil, and I want you to continue. Here's the thing. Last year, there were a lot of goals that were kind of like, okay, that's not sustainable. Right. There were a lot of points where, yeah, listen, he's running power play one. Yeah, the puck touches his stick and then bounce, bounce, and then somebody else scores and he gets an assist. This year... Out of the 20, whatever assist, 29, you said? 27?
1: 29 points. So it's five goals, 24 assists.
0: 24 assists. I mean, it feels like 19 of them are actually meaningful assists. Right. Like real yeah, I assists. I mean, and there are a
1: couple that aren't, right? Like, of course.
0: That's going to happen every season to every to
1: player. 100%. 100%. Like <laughs> against Toronto, the first assist he had, he wasn't even on the ice for, right? He, he handed it off to Nelson in the defensive zone. Nelson takes it up. Paul Mary back past to Nelson. He doesn't get a plus one for that even. It's, it's the Josh Bailey. It's the, Bailey, it's the Josh Bailey.
0: Is so special. I, I get it. Listen, every single player gets it. The NHL wants players to get more points. It looks good. I understand all that. But this year, it just feels like eighty percent of the points he's getting, he has actually earned. Which yeah, is and, I think and a and pretty even, high rate.
1: Even when they're secondary assists, like the the defensive play he makes, and then the pass to Barzell and the OT goal against Toronto. Right, the goal doesn't happen without that play. How about he the Cesakus goal last cases, night? Yep, stretch pass to Zizekas, Zizekas to Clutterbuck, Clutterbuck back to Zizekas again. People Stops don't realize better. People off. don't
0: realize that the pass to Zizekas last night that started off that play, and we'll get into the Absurd. fourth line. That's an amazing pass. That is yeah. that is what you need a defenseman to do.
1: You know, there was another one against the Leafs where he, you know, has the IQ to realize that Palmieri is skating downhill and quickly, and is going to be able to beat it out. And he he throws it from his side of red. So if Palmieri doesn't get there, it's icing. But he knows that Palmieri has a beat on. I can't remember the leaf. I think it was Timmins. I think it was Timmins who was back and just wasn't skating fast enough. And then Palmieri gets to Nelson. Nelson a Palmieri goal. So the the hockey IQ has been tremendous. He's been defensively sound, and and like you're talking about, right? The points aren't coming even as a product of making flashy plays or just skating around the you know. Uh, the defense, like a guy like Roman Yossi or Kale McCarr, it's by making smart and simple plays, yeah. um, and by not overthinking things. The secondary assist he had last night on the Barzell power play goal, oh. incredible keeping on the blue line, keeps it on side.
0: But not only, not only, not yeah, that's the thing. Not only keeps it on side, but to have the vision to, to immediately, immediately get it to Barzell, get it to Barzell, who's incredible going incredible
1: pass Barzell to Horvath, Horvath to Barzell, tie game just making the, the just chemistry between those three players is so much players. fun to watch right now yeah the
0: chemistry absolutely. between those three players is just so much fun to watch uh, and and finally it feels like we've got a good overtime strategy in the sense of hey uh, get Pazier out there in the beginning maybe with holmstrom get possession once we have possession get Barzal get 13 14 and, and eight out there and they'll win the game for you at least uh, or give you a good shot for it
1: or, or have Dobson make a good defensive play, have Holmstrom realize that he's got Pajo breaking alone and make a ridiculous pass off the boards for a breakaway goal. That's good, too. That well, Holmstrom hey,
0: went. listen, I mean, I, I think Pazzo and Holmstrom just realized, they were like, hey, um, our only chance to score is right now because it's going to go to Barzal and Horvat and they're going to score next shift.
1: Took so them we've 13 got to, seconds. We've got to
0: finish it now. Um, yeah. And I always kind of tell people this, and I hope people understand this. Uh, Variants, small sample sizes. Overreaction, I get it. We're fans; we do it too. Um, but you can see how we were all—you know—two weeks ago, even we're like, "Why can't we ever get a damn point in a shootout or overtime?" And now suddenly, we win all of them. Right. It, it evens out. We might lose the next three. Who knows? But you play it out there. Hey, one thing I want to point out as well is Phil and I are rarely wrong. Okay, we're 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 brilliant. Okay, <laughs> but when we're wrong. We'll admit it. Unlike a lot of people on Twitter, okay. When we have a bad take, we'll say that was a bad take, okay. And I think it's time for you and I to come out and say to everybody, to Noah Dobson, we were wrong.
1: We were wrong. We were. Very I was wrong. wrong. Absolutely, very wrong.
0: Yeah, I mean, you were more wrong than me, but we were
1: wrong for sure. He's he's <laughs> he's playing like a star. He is playing like an absolute star. There's,
0: by the way, if he keeps this up, I, I, if he keeps this up all season, he's gonna get paid he's going to get paid. (laughs) Six foot four right here. I know a lot of people
1: want, I know a lot of people want Lou gone, but there is no better GM to negotiate that contract. than Lou Lamorello. because whatever you think he's going to get with Lou, it's always going to be less. And we've seen that with Barzal. I know a lot of people thought it was going to be 10 plus. I kept telling people it's not going to be 10 plus. I know there were people telling me that they thought Sorokin could have been as high as nine or even 9.5. Got him for eight and a quarter. again, whether or not that's a smart decision is, is something else. He's always managed to do pretty good work with these RFA deals, ranging from Pelic to Polak, etc. So Lou is definitely the man that you want doing that deal this summer.
0: Yeah. And we can talk about Lou's shortcomings, maybe as uh, in terms of hiring this coach and sticking with this coach. Um, we've, we've kind of covered that a lot, but in terms of personnel, in terms of uh, putting a team together, I don't think there's any question. I mean, at this point, If you're still hating on Lou because he didn't make any changes, quote unquote, then you're just you're not being honest with yourself anymore. You're just not looking at the team. You're not seeing what this team is doing. You're not seeing the changes. Uh, They're right in front of our face. By the way, speaking of, I wanted
1: to read this tweet actually. Read it, go ahead, please. Just mentioned it. Uh, It's it's from Travis Flynn, uh, ND Red Eagle.
0: Travis is a good. He's a good follow on Twitter.
1: Love Travis. Follow Travis. He wrote. The general consensus with national media this summer was to ignore the Horvat and Engvall edition since they didn't occur in July. They are paid to analyze, but many don't understand that 30 games is different than 82 games. Only seven games of Horvat plus Barzal last season. And that was the point that you and I were making all summer when people kept saying, oh, why aren't we doing anything? Why aren't we adding anything? And I kept saying, if these were moves that were made in July, everyone would say, home run, we got the number one UFA, we got a good you know, second line player who fits with, with Nelson. We wouldn't have known that Engvall even fits with Nelson had we not traded for him back in February, mind you. Right. Even an under radar, under the radar signing like Julian Gauthier for league minimum for two years, who's, who's fit quite well with Pajot and has played a, a, a nice role on that third line. And then he's been the most active. I've seen him in managing this team in the six years that he's been here in that as soon as a leak is sprung he is immediately going to remedy that. Now, you could say he got lucky with Mike Riley because the day that Pelican Ajo get injured, Riley ends up on waivers and, and we get a great free player. But then Polak goes down and we don't know how long he's going to be out for. And immediately he brings in a veteran in Bortuzzo so that we don't have to be watching Grant Hutton for the next several weeks. Yeah, I mean, so- I'll
0: put devil's advocate because I mean, in the same sense, I mean, I think that we had some leaks in the years past on the forward position where, we, we, where Lou did not, spring to action right away, and we were stuck with um, Andy Andreoff and and Otto Cuevola, and and a lot of people were going, do something, but I'll bring up, this is my response to Travis, and I say the same thing to fans about this as well. Good GMs make changes when the opportunity arises. Forcing it in a certain time frame is when bad contracts or bad trades are made and given out, and those bad contracts and bad trades can set back a team years. Unfortunately, when you get injuries, a Mike Riley is not always available, and sometimes you just have to make do. Okay, you've got to play Otto Kovala on the fourth line a little bit, and you just got to go. Listen, hopefully we can stay afloat, you know. And that's what happened last year for at least a little while. We did stay afloat, and then we lost Barzal, and then Romanov was injured, and obviously that team was never going to go forward with the injuries they had. But uh, I-, I always find it interesting. I like, going, do you want? Because some people could look at one of the one of the contracts on our on our. Docket right now on our team, Anders Lee, which is clearly probably a year or two too long. Okay, you could make the argument that that was actually forced upon Lou, because we had lost to Varys there before. We couldn't lose a captain again. We tried to get Panarin, we didn't get Panarin. And I, whether it was ownership or whether it was Lou or whether it was a combination of them going, you can't lose Anders Lee now. You just you can't. Okay, so give him the extra year and just swallow it. Um. I think when you are forced into a corner, it's almost like a quarterback. If you force something, and rather than just take what the defense gives you, you're going to make mistakes. And I think as a general manager, you have to take what's given to you. Okay, when the opportunity arises, when a Bo Horvat is available on the cheap, and we got him for cheap, make no mistake, okay? By the way, nobody on Twitter gets sarcasm. Uh, But we... And, and when, a, when, a, when a Pierre Engvall is available because Toronto wants to shed cap, you go and you strike and you get it, okay? Can you imagine if this team what, what we went out and got Johnny Gaudreau? Went out and got, what, oh Kadri and stuff? So, I mean, there are so many minefields that Lou dodged. Is every single movie made great? No. But I'm also encouraged by the fact that, like, you look at Barzal and how many players get paid. And then maybe the passion, the heart, the hard work isn't there. And I'd argue that Barzal got paid and has never been better.
1: You could say the same thing for Bo Horvat too, right? Yeah, right. The cost of acquisition for Horvat, I've argued since the day that trade was made, was incredible value. Especially when you stack it up against the Fiala trade, the Timo Meyer trade. Even more recently this summer, the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade. And Dubois looks horrible. The Kings so far, I you know of those four trades. By the way, uh,
0: by the way, the players they traded, Gabe Velarde, Velarde had four points last four night. four points last night, four points. Yeah, I mean them. that trade
1: never made sense to me. You traded Velarde, Ayafalo, Kupari, who's like a wild card, and then a second round pick. Well,
0: they did. The Kings did it because they wanted the strength down the middle. There's a there's, there's a bit of a misnomer in the NHL, and I I see it, but I don't agree with it. Where strength down the middle, if you have strong centers and strong goaltending and defensemen, you're going to be fine. And I think the Kings looked at it and said, we've got Kopitar. We've got to know if we can get Dubois as another center. We can put Quentin Byfield on the wing, and right. and, and and to their credit, by the way, Byfield has flourished this year on the wing, just like Barzal Absolutely. has getting away from the center. So that that was their thought process behind it.
1: Yeah, yeah. But going back to it, so you know the Horvat contract, it's an expensive contract. I mean, eight and a half million. But he and Barzal, in seasons where they got they got the bag, they have both been living up, and you can make a case that they've both been exceeding the expectations that we've had for them um, in, in a way that some players do not, right? And and look at Dubois and Meyer. Meyer, I think, has what, 11 points in 20 games, five goals. I think Dubois is somewhere around the same. And, and you know, and maybe anyway, part...
0: That's, that's, that's playing with Jack. Yeah. Like, you're getting power play one time on that Devils team.
1: Is he on the power play one there, Timo? He was for I mean, a while. Yeah. I
0: don't know if he's been taken off at this point, but he was he at some He might been point. taken
1: off at this point, but... Yeah,
0: but he was at one point. I mean...
1: Right. Clearly... There's something going on, right? At least culturally in the Islanders organization, where they're not just getting paid and quitting. They're getting paid and they're hustling their bags off. And these guys who have been so close to the Stanley Cup, you know, Barzell in particular, right? Horvat hasn't been quite as far yet. He'll he'll get there with us. Um, but these guys want it. These guys are yeah. And to, I think that's part of what Lou well. does.
0: I mean, Lou 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 gives more credence to character than I think a lot of other GMs do, and certainly a lot of fans do. You know, I remember fans still screaming for why can't we get Patrick Line? <laughs> like, oh my. <laughs> like,
1: can you imagine? I'll that? be honest. I wanted, I want, I thought Meyer was the better fit, right? This is when we were kind of thinking, right, are they going to make Barzal a winger? Horvat's great and everything, but kind of makes five centers. And maybe Barzal doesn't want to go to the wing. Timo is just, you know, one of the best shot generators in the NHL. He's going to score 40 goals, makes a lot of sense. And on paper, probably was the better player overall. But sometimes that doesn't necessarily mean that they're the better fit.
0: Right. And sometimes you've and got to just admit that, hey, maybe the guy who's been around hockey for the last 50 years knows and has better. all the connections and knows all the scouts and knows all the coaches, maybe they just know what a better fit is. And maybe not. Maybe Meyer would have been a great fit here and he's just not a good fit in New Jersey. Who, who, who knows uh, you know, what it is? Um, anyway, I'm encouraged by the fact that Barzal is playing as well as we've ever seen. Um, the, the host of the other podcast on Isles Fix, uh, your good friend, talked about how Barzal and, and Horvat have no chemistry. And um, I, I don't know. Maybe they read the tweet and they were like, you know what? We'll show them chemistry.
1: <laughs> I think ever since that tweet is when they both popped off for these like crazy points. Yeah. streak. Like I think Barzal and Horvat something like 13, 14 points in the last six or seven games. It's just been it's been a pretty epic run. We have th- they're we they're have playing like, so we have well. Three
0: players, by the way, we have three players on like over seventy-five point pa- seventy-point paces,
1: and then and then and then Brock Nelson. And then right, I was about to say it's they're playing so well. That under normal circumstances, Brock Nelson having, what, 23 points in 28 games would be a storyline for this team. Or Kyle Palmieri, your second-line winger, having nine goals and nine assists, right, 18 points. Or even Simon Holmstrom having six points in seven games. Like, people forgot, like, someone was messaging me yesterday, like, well, I, you know, I hope Simon gets back to scoring. I'm like, well, he has two goals and three assists in his last five games, That's or, or last six games. That's pretty good, right? And then he scored again last night. Right, there, he's not
0: suddenly oh, going to get 60. He's not a 60-point guy, guys.
1: No, not at all. But, but if he there gives are you a lot of players he gives you, a lot of good things. If
0: he gives you five shorthanded goals a year and I mean imagine if you're the imagine if you're a power play and you're going against Holmstrom and not only do you have to figure out, okay, how are we going to score, but hey, watch out for this guy. He's always a threat. That's that's tough to play against.
1: Yeah, and this is something I was gonna ask you about that, right? At a certain point, teams they watch film. They understand the threat that Pajot and Holmstrom represent. Pajot's been doing it for years, right? He's always been among the tops in shorthanded goals and points. Does it reach a point where they just kind of like scheme for it, which which kind of takes the, the, the bite out of their power play?
0: It wouldn't shock me. It would not shock me at all if certain teams that had the flexibility to do so went two defensemen instead of four and one. Instead of going four forwards, one defenseman, which a lot of teams do, it wouldn't shock me if some teams, like when we played the Boston Bruins and we were up against Brad Marchand, I often was like, oh, please don't do four and one. Please right. don't do 4-1 because Brad's going to kill us. And a shorthanded goal, just—it it is just a dagger to the heart in the team. You know,
1: He's done it to Carolina twice. Like I can't imagine the next time we play Carolina, which I think is at some point next Saturday night, I want to say. like Anytime they're in a power play situation, I, I can promise you Brindamore is going to be barking to them about keeping the puck away from the side of the ice that belongs to Simon Holmstrom.
0: Yeah, and uh, I felt, by the way, I, sp- I felt so great for Simon. Because he made a mistake last night. Uh, He had an empty net. It was a beautiful play set up. He got in
1: too deep. Yeah, he did. And it's
0: kind of a cardinal rule as a coach. You always teach your kids. You say, if you are going to the net, you have to stop. literally stop before you go behind the net. Because you're not going to score goals from back there. Yes, you can score the Michigan and all that things. But generally speaking, you've got to stop in front of the net for rebounds and for exactly what happened to Simon. And he just kept going. He went. He did the first part great, which was go to the net. And then he forgot to stop. And he put himself in a spot where he could not just do a tap-in goal. And I felt bad for him because he realized that that was the game winner. That was the game right there. But he atoned You know who I felt it.
1: bad for? I felt more bad for, for Mike Riley, right? This guy started off the game with what looked like a goal. By, by the right? way,
0: 20 minutes last night he played.
1: Yeah. A delicious pass from Horvath. Did
0: Lane finally realize he goes, hey, wait.
1: This guy's, he's good. This he's guy's pretty good. fucking
0: I, I mean, I know he's a waiver pickup. It's like one of those weird, really weird things where you're, you're driving around your neighborhood. And you go to a garage sale and you pick something up and you just assume, okay, shit, it's a garage sale item, right? Somebody else, somebody, somebody, they threw it away. But then you take it home and you're like, you're looking at it going, oh, this is really useful. And you just love it.
1: That's 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 Mike Riley. I've got many of those in my house. Many of those in my house. But yes, I mean, great pass from Horvat. Looks like he has a goal, but then you realize on the replay, he kind of moved Gibson's pad. So, you know, that's fair. And then. Just an incredible pass to Pajot, and oh. that pass from Pajo tape to tape to Holmstrom, who's just in too deep. So, you know, you're talking about a game where you could have had a couple points, and he's in a contract year. Of course, he probably wants to beef up his point totals, and he plays an excellent game last night, but nothing to show for it on the stat sheet. So, yeah, the fact that for him. He,
0: even if he has a, a great rest of the season, his next contract's not going to be much. Except, you know, he'll get a contract, which is great. Uh, we're, we're
1: keeping him, by the way. We are absolutely keeping him. Well, on his, has um, like two year deal?
0: Has Has Riley Wally pipped, uh uh, Sebastian Aho.
1: I mean, he's he's just brought an element that they've been lacking for the past couple of years. He's just in, in in the puck moving department and fairness, the ability to skate the uh, skate the puck out of the zone. And Lane spoke about it last night, right? When that pair was on the ice last night, it was the way that you know the best defense is a good offense sometimes. And the way he plays defense, he's not going to be perfect in his own zone. No, and sometimes he'll make mistakes in his own zone and and cough the puck up and turnovers and things of that nature. But the whole point of Riley is that when you have a guy like that, you spend less time in your own zone. Well listen, right? we and, all and... we
0: all clamored for like, okay, a lot of people were like Nick Letty, we've lost that element that Nick Letty level. Letty was terrible in his own zone. He often lost the the opposing players and had no idea what was going on. But what was great about Letty was he could just skate the puck out of the zone. And yep. sometimes, listen, one of the one of the best things a defenseman can do as if you're scouting a defenseman is their first pass out of the zone, is it a good one? Can they make that first pass out of the zone? Well, if you also have the element of, not only can I make that first pass out of the zone, but I can just skate it out of the zone. That is a huge element. And it's not huge. something that it's not something that every one of our defensemen can do. I mean, Scott Mayfield, for example, is not skating the puck out of the zone, which is one of the reasons why he's always paired with a player who can do it. Um, as far as I'm concerned, Riley does everything Sebastian Ajo does, and just better.
1: Yes. And he's bigger which, you know, he, he's able to finish a hit and, you know, push guys around a bit. Um, but yeah, and to that point, again, like if you if you look at the Duck second goal, right, that's a goal where you could say, oh, yeah, well, that's an unlucky goal. Like, what are we supposed to do about that? And the answer is they were spending way too much time in their own zone, right? So you might not necessarily be doing anything wrong structurally defensively, right? And, and maybe the players are set up right, but an unlucky goal doesn't take place if you were just not hemmed in constantly and something that Riley has done a great job of, job of is just creating ozone time and he activates in the zone and he's making plays and he makes good reads and, you know, guys are finding him and it looks like he's got really good chemistry when he's out with the first line. He had four shots on goal last night. I think the guys up to almost 30 shots on the season and he hasn't even played as he played 10 games. I think last night was his 10th game of the year. Two of Florida eight with us. Yeah. I'm, I mean, listen, we were game. That's crazy.
0: After, after Toronto scored the power play goal, we absolutely dominated that first period and, and it was fueled by our forecheck. check. But you know to your point, I mean if you're in their zone, it's hockey's a lot easier. You don't have to defend, you can make changes. people don't get tired. It's easier to play offense than it is to chase on defense. Um, I will say though, in terms of being hemmed in because we saw that in Toronto uh, in the second period, and I know, I'm sure a lot of fans were like, what happened? Hockey is like that. The other team is trying, too. <laughs> I mean, it's not just a simple thing like, oh, you can just turn the switch on and you can dominate. No, they're trying to do it, too. So while we dominated the first period last night versus Anaheim, and we dominated most of the first period versus Toronto, and then both in both games they came back in the second period, you've got to realize that one of the shortcomings of having three of your top five defensemen out is the fact that, okay, this is going to happen. Um, our defense is weak, which is, by the way, also the, that was Toronto's issue right now. The reason in that first period they couldn't get the puck out of the zone is because three of their top defensemen are out injured and they couldn't get the puck out of the zone. Um so yeah, I, I have been so amazed by my I mean, I'm I am just blown away that how was Riley waived? Like I'm waiting to see. Like, yeah, does he have defensive shortcomings? Of course he does. But as like a power play two guy who can move the puck
1: you he would get, think he would be he like the odds well you think he would have been like the ideal Florida defenseman? I I asked, was I I spoke to Andy about this and I said, you know, what am I missing here? Why would Florida keep Mikola? Like this guy looks like the prototypical Florida defenseman, a guy who's able to join the play, join the rush. They've got so much of that. And he said, Well, sometimes the team doesn't want too much of that, right? Sometimes you need the more stay-at-home Mikola type because they already have Brandon Montour, because they already have Aaron Eckblad. So maybe Mike Riley was a redundancy for them in that department, and then it just becomes a numbers game where Similar to Boston the year before, and for Boston it had more to do with capital implications and the fact that they needed to bury that portion of his salary in order to be cap compliant, right? And he only wasn't picked up because of the second year at three million, where you know there's just too much unpredictability with the flat cap at the time for GM to make that claim in 24 hours. But
0: what what a so, gift for us though! I mean, Pellet goes out. Gift. What a gift! But I, I get the point though. I mean, listen, if this team still has Devin Tays. Or still has Nick Letty, two players who can obviously skate with the puck and move the puck, but two players that are probably a little bit soft in their own zone in the sense of you know playoffs, um, how how big and tough they are. You know, if you already have a Nick Letty or a Devin Tays with another player, maybe you'd rather have a Scott Mayfield type, um, because you know too much of that can be if, if it doesn't come with some defensive, um, you know, toughness. I, I can understand it, but nonetheless, hey, uh, I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, you know, that's something I was really excited about as we go through all the games. We talk about. And I loved it, so we haven't we haven't talked since we got Bortuzzo, um,
1: right?
0: And and he comes in and he's been like the six seven guy hasn't played much. We get him for you know we get him for nothing. And the uh, Armstrong, I believe. No, it no, is.
1: that seventh round pick is going to be Gretzky. Don't you know how this works? Dave? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it was, you know how this works. Listen, if, if, it, if, if it was a fifth round,
0: pick. if it was a fifth round pick, I'd be worried.
1: Right, because we're good at fifth round picks, but seventh round. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I look back, I think the like the most notable seventh-round pick that I could find since, I think, 2016 is, like, Yusuf Harsinan, who's, like, a decent forward for Nashville right He was
0: now. good for, like, six games. Right. Really good for six games. Real, basically, is, basically think like, about it like, like, this: Lafreniere. has been good for six games.
1: <laughs> the way you make up a seventh-round pick is by going out and finding an undrafted college-free agent. It's the same thing, really, right? It's Oh, absolutely. You, it, the, the NHL draft probably shouldn't even be seven rounds right the the pool of players coming in is not deep enough to justify it in my opinion unlike the nfl where like a seventh round pick very often is valuable same with the sixth and a fifth in the nhl it's like few and far in between where well keep in mind in the
0: the nfl you've got i I just need i need like frontline war guys to just go get shot so you need special teams guys so if, right, of course. if I can get a seventh round guy who can run a four five and is 220 pounds, could just run fast on the special teams and go hit something.
1: Right. Right. And the NHL just really doesn't work that way. 95% of these guys don't even touch NHL ice. Right. So the way you make up for it is many you of them never sign... even get
0: offered a contract. Right. Yeah. I mean, literally yeah. never get even offered an ELC. Now the seventh yeah. round pick is, is we literally got him for nothing. Uh, to the point where we could let him go for nothing and it wouldn't even be a loss. But I don't know if we're, we'll go there. Uh, we can talk about that in a second. I got a lot to cover, I feel like. Anyway, I wanted to talk about something. So, I think it was last year, Bortuzzo uh, knocked pellic out for a while. 21 games. Right, with that brutal hit. Yep. And it was something I commented on last year. Now, I hate the legal, legal hit, then a fight happens. Like when Romanov knocked out Miles Wood, and I mean knocked him out, just crushed him. And then fight happens. Every time there's a big hit, there's a fight. And I I hate that in the NHL, but it is what it is, and that's the game today. Um, the self-police game. Um, uh, the Eric Gabranson thing was great, though. He's like, you know what, fuck it, I'm taking it with my own hands.
1: Yep, 100%. <laughs>
0: that was awesome. But anyway, um, I was so discouraged last year. And I was like, God, this is not a team that I— when it's when a player like Pellet gets hit, shouldn't somebody on the friggin' ice step up and do something right away? Um, Oliver Wallstrom, for all his warts, is somebody who's done that. He actually, I think he's um, he defended Dobson once when Dobson got laid out a couple of years ago. Um, but it was something I was really happy with when Barzal got laid out. Horvat drops his gloves and Mayfield just steps in and goes, "No, no, no, <laughs> we need you. Let me do this."
1: 100. And love I love that for Mayfield.
0: I loved it. Now I I hate the fact that hey. Barzal got hit with a clean hit, his head was down, no big deal, but I love the fact that they came in and stepped up for him. I think that says a lot about this team.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and some would say that's like kind of like a turning point or more of a, you know, a good, really good bonding moment where you just know that these guys all have each other's backs, but Horvat was ready to drop the gloves, and like you said, Mayfield, he's the biggest guy on the ice. He's got about a dozen fights under his belt during his career. He's not a great fighter, but you know if you're if you're that big and that tall you could you know land a couple punches so good for scottie stepping up and we hope he gets better you know relatively quickly by the way he doesn't he have a, well so this
0: is just i have to imagine this is not a new injury right for scott mayfield
1: so i saw a picture of him from the uh they they did that thing where they give up presents to kids in the hospital so he's got a splint on his left i want to call it his ring finger if i if i saw it correctly so it could be that he's got maybe a sprained or broken finger or something with, with the hand but he's been moving really slowly ever since that game one injury where he took a shot off his leg that cost him about seven or eight games so he needed the time off uh, the fact that they got Bartuzo allows them to give him a bit of a rest there so i give him up, heal up and, and come back 100%
0: I give him credit now listen Scott Mayfield is a warrior and say what you will know about the contract, you know, is it is it a year too long or two years long? Yeah, it is. But you were never keeping a right-handed defenseman for that money, unless you gave him a couple extra years than he than he probably deserved. And we can deal with that in six seven years. Um, but I, I, he was a, he's a warrior in the sense that you know we we lost player after player after player, and he probably was not healthy. I think it was pretty obvious. But he's like, okay, well, i will just I'll go out there and I'll just get the job done as best I can. But the fact that we do get Portuzo, and the fact that we have Riley, the fact that Ajo comes back, I'd love to see. I expect that also the fact that we put a few wins together, I'd love to see Mayfield given the actual the proper time off, whether it's two weeks off or whatever it needed to really come back healthy because we need him back healthy. Agreed. Uh, and and frankly, we went through the first two pairings of defense. If the third pairing is Mayfield Riley.
1: That's the that, best third pairing we've had since mayfield Letty.
0: That's a really good third pairing.
1: Um, or Actually, that was our second pair. It was Mayfield-Taze was our third pair way back when.
0: Way back when, right. Um, but, I mean, if Mayfield-Riley is our third pairing, and that's a, re- a really nice pairing because you've got the, the ruggedness of Mayfield with the, the puck movement skills of Riley – um, and then Aho, I don't even know what you do at seven eight because you have Aho and Bartuzo, and you still got Bull Well, Duke
1: Let's there. talk about it. I mean, let,
0: let's do, what. What let, happens here? I got nine defensemen, and we got nine defensemen. None of them are waiver exempt, and and frankly, Bolduk has been better.
1: He's been. I mean, he's been okay, I guess. He was Not awful really versus someone Toronto. You want. He was awful against Toronto. Couple really bad turnovers. One turned into a power play, which turned into a power play goal. Another one, Matthews hit off the bar. I mean, so let's uh, let's uh, that's work a, that's backwards. That's a
0: tough. By the way, but that's a tough task. I mean, you're talking about a defenseman who probably needs one more season in the AHL. Probably needs to play 20 minutes a game in the AHL before he can. But, but
1: unfortunately, he's not waiver exempt, and they don't want to risk losing him.
0: And they, I I think Lou knows they will lose him. He's a six foot four, six foot three defenseman. Who can skate. He's able
1: to reverse it and put Garnet halfway on his ass.
0: Right. He can skate. Listen, and that's a thing where you go, you know what? If you're a team in the bottom half of the league and you go, whatever, let's see what we got here. We can we can give him 17 minutes a game. Who cares? We're losing anyway.
1: Right. The Sharks. Yeah, I could see where a guy of that size and with some good pedigree, AHL all-star last year, I could see where he gets claimed at this point given he's racked up some, some nice NHL minutes. So if we work backwards, right? So what's – the trigger point to when a decision needs to be made on personnel is when they activate pellic right? Because the only reason they have the cap, the cap space to carry more than 23 and players who are on IR, which means that you're going to be missing less than 24 ga- days or less than 10 games, so you get, you get put on regular IR, those guys still count against your cap, right? And, and, your, so roster, and your
0: roster limitations, right? Not your roster limitations. Okay, no. just the cap. It,
1: just the cap. It opens up a roster spot, but again, you either need to be... You, you, you have to be cap compliant. So your active roster can't have more than 23 players. Right, And, and the, reason we have, of that,
0: the reason we have all this cap space is because Pellick's five Pellick's million is on LTR. Got
1: right. Which which unfortunately froze our ability to continue to accrue space, which we were doing at a pretty nice rate earlier in the season. Like we were getting closer to the point where we could carry the 23 plus one IR. If we were to activate Pellick today, we would not be able to do 23 plus IR. So even though Matt Martin's on IR – we would still need to subtract the roster down to twenty-three, which means two players would need to go. My view of it, right? If you go with the assumption that they're not waving Bolduch, just no way, no how, he's too valuable to the organization long-term for them to do that. So Bolduch is your eighth defenseman. Yeah, I mean, if and, the, becomes,
0: and, and by the way, so, so, yeah, if Lou even figures that Bolduch might develop not Dobson X or anything like that, but if you think he even develops into a good bottom pair defenseman at that size, you can't just give him away. He's too young.
1: He's not going to give him away, right? So then it becomes a question of who do you prioritize between Bortuzzo and Ajo, right? Do you keep both of them and keep eight defensemen? And then once you've made that decision, you then need to decide which forward is leaving the roster. Now, I think we all know at this point that Wallstrom has been passed over by Gauthier. Wallstrom has been passed over by Fashing. He just, you know, Fashing fills a role on that fourth line. He can forecheck his nutsack off. He created two goals, a great goal against Toronto by Sezikis on the forecheck, a great goal against uh, the Ducks by Palmieri. It's the forecheck. Strips, Nelson, back of the net. By the way, we said this
0: last week, Phil. I said it last week, and, and you know, obviously, I've been very hesitant to give Lane any credit, but I said last week on the podcast, I said, I think Lane has finally figured out the best offensive lines. Yes. Like Andersley has. is not an ideal first line winger, but with our personnel, with our 14 forwards at his disposal, this is not only the best 12, but the best way to use them.
1: Right. So if I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on, right, Please what do. you might say is, okay. Matt Martin was barely getting any ice time to begin with. Then Matt Martin got hurt, went on IR. Then they took him off IR, and they were claiming he was getting closer. All of a sudden, two days ago, he ends up back on IR. Is there a scenario where you activate Pelic and then there's some sort of understanding that they have with Martin where it's like, listen, buddy, whatever is ailing you, we're just gonna go with the story that this thing is ailing you to the point where you just cannot play the rest of the regular season. You're not part of the plans anymore. Thank you for your service. So we're just going to do it.
0: We're going to just do it. The Maple Leafs do every season.
1: That one and a half million. It's going to go on LTIR. You'll be with us throughout the season. You'll Is practice that enough with us though? Even. It should be enough. Yeah. I mean, to keep a couple of these players aren't expensive. Like Riley's only making a million, right? Bortuzzo's only making 950,000. So if you add to the, I think the, the pool of money that they had before they went into LTIR was about 700,000. Right, so if you add one and a half million to that, you're at two point two million, and then all of a sudden you're good. Right? So, that, so you're
0: yeah. suggesting Matt Martin handshake go to LTIR, and then we keep thirteen forwards and then nine, we keep, nine defensemen. No, and, then, and then we two, keep nine defensemen and two and two goalies.
1: Then you keep thirteen forwards, eight defensemen, and two goalies. And who are That's
0: you right. getting rid of then?
1: You're not getting rid of anyone in that scenario. Oh yeah, yeah. You're you're either getting rid of Ahu or Bortuzzo.
0: And there's this is this is an interesting. So thing. basically, I think, a
1: minimum a minimum of one player, un- unless unless someone is just kind of floating on IR throughout the year.
0: Well, that's the it's thing. Just, I'm wondering, can we do that? Can you can you go not because in a perfect world, I will say this: Bortuzzo is a really nice seven to replace a Mayfield, right? Or a Pollock. or even, or got, even a Pollock. or a Pollock, or even a Pellic. Really, you know um right. if, like if those three but if Riley were to get injured or say Dobson got injured you want aho I might want aho yeah
1: i get it right and then the the question then becomes also about you know you've shed so much draft capital throughout these years maybe it's at the point where Lou looks at the roster and says okay you know we've got a couple expendable pieces maybe i can recoup some draft capital now as teams do some even playoff teams do that sometimes right if you remember Florida had a surplus of forwards a couple of years ago. They were the President's Trophy team, and they, you know, ultimately stupidly decided that they were going to trade the Trano to the Rangers for a fourth round pick. Like, okay, we got so many forwards, we don't need this forward. You take him, fourth round pick, finish. So, is there a market out there where you can trade Aho for a fifth round pick or Wallstrom? For I mean, Bovillier just pick?
0: went for a fifth round pick, so I, cert- I think there's definitely a market.
1: I think so too. Let me throw this. I, at I, you. I think so. I think he has more value than people think he does.
0: Let me throw this at you then. Yeah. If this is the thought process, does Bolduke have more value? I just And think then we I keep the reason, I like Ajo, the reason I like Aho as a seventh defenseman, and I've been I've been lobbying for him to be a seventh defenseman for a while, is because he play he can play the left side and the right side. And not a lot of defensemen are actually comfortable doing that. We saw Dobson do it a little bit, but he doesn't love it. Most defensemen are really comfortable on a strong side, while wingers can play on the strong side or they're off wing because of the one-timer ability. I know a lot of left shots that like playing right wing, I know, and, and the uh, vice versa. But defensemen generally like to play on their strong side. There are a few that are really good at both, and Aho is one of those. I wouldn't say really good because I don't think he's really good at anything. But he's certainly serviceable at both <laughs> sides.
1: Um, he knows how to do it.
0: I'm wondering, is there any trade out there? And, and I know, listen, this is not fantasy hockey. I can't just pile up my crap and give it away. But is there a world where, you know, we can package something and upgrade like a Bolduc, Wallstrom and a pick and actually get better, which actually is going to bring me to my next topic. Um, right now. I mean, if I were to tell you that we're healthy and here's my 12 forwards and they're all playing really well and Wallstrom's 13 and Martin's on LTIR, let's just say that. And our top defensemen, you got, I've got Romanoff, Dobson, Pelik, Puluk, uh, Riley Mayfield, right? We're looking strong. I've got our two goalies. What are we acquiring? Are we acquiring I, you know anything? What? Where does I somebody keep fit? About this. Like, I mean, Elliot Friedman just talked about Zach Priese. I think that's all been on our tongues for a while. I think we'd love him. He's, he's a gamer, he absolutely makes the team better. But who does he go in for? Gautier only played nine minutes plus last night, despite the fact that he is an absolute catalyst. The guy four checks his balls off. And, uh, he hit know, over skates. 23
1: miles per hour on that icing. Yeah, that and not only
0: that. that, I mean, do you remember there was a shift uh, right after Toronto scored the power play goal. We were just right down their throats, and it was the Gauthier line, and Gauthier in particular, who laid, who, who made two huge checks right in the first period, and it kind of set the tone for the rest of that first period.
1: And then Toronto has just a, never got the puck out of the zone. He's also been getting back to that power move where he cuts to the front end. I that, you love know, it. Two, two, he, two, two games in a row, he's almost scored. scored. Yeah, I mean, and he's going to have a lot of those, and he's going to not score on a lot of them, which is something that we saw with the Rangers a lot. It's a tougher move to score on than people think. You're people going realize. full
0: speed, going full around speed, the defenseman, protecting the, the puck, it. using your body to protect the puck, then tucking it around the goalie and getting it in.
1: Right. But it- last night, okay, so against the Leafs, it was a little bit easier because he was on his forehand. So to tuck it in, he was trying to hit hit it through the five hole, and Samsonov got it with the toe. Last night, it was kind of cheating because they missed the penalty call. Gibson just clearly tripped him.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was definitely... Gibson or a tripped hook, him trip, and he was whatever not, he was
1: not able to pull it back to his backhand in time to bury it. He might have been able to, but still, I thought that should have been a penalty regardless. He also draws a lot of penalties, right? He drew another penalty last night, as a matter of fact, uh, just by using his speed. You know, puck off the wall, chasing it in, and then they're forced to take a penalty because otherwise is right behind them. I think part of the reason why his minutes were down last night also is because special teams time, right? They were... Five power plays in the game, um, so that that could have factored right. into it. But I, I would like to see him get more ice time. Yeah, I wouldn't want to take anyone out per se. I think the the value add to Prezi is number one. He's not going to disrupt the chemistry of the room. No, like, everyone knows him. Everyone loves him. He knows the system. But he's not he coming back. He's
0: not coming back to be a thirteenth forward.
1: Is he? Well, I think it would take some time for him to get back up to speed, considering he hasn't played in a while. But also, we're we're naive to think that these twelve forwards are going to maintain perfect health from now until the end no, of the season. No, there's no... And listen,
0: Cal Clutterbuck, honestly, would He's really... played 82 in his career. He would really benefit from some days off. And and honestly, you could argue that Zach Farisi coming back should could probably... Could also benefit from days probably, off. Probably, I mean, in an ideal world, Zach Farisi, who you could see it in the playoffs last year, he was dead. Um,
1: yeah. He was. He ran out of gas. Well, he, but, he played all 164 regular season games that he was an Islander for, so...
0: Well, with, with Barzal, with the barzal Pajot injuries... Parise was being, you know, he was used so much that you could see by the end of it, he was just dead. Um, But I wonder, I mean, give me, you know, 25 regular season games of Zach and then the playoffs of him. I mean, that's that's pretty strong. Um, Yeah,
1: I mean, it's a couple of things. First of all. Do you, do you do you trust Gautier in the playoffs yet, right? Sometimes teams what, will What's have there? Guys... What,
0: here's the thing. What's there to trust? He's Okay, he's a former first-round pick with an amazing skill set. Like, you look at his skill set and go, fast, big, wow, former first-round pick. The fact of the matter is a lot of former first-round picks end up not being what we want them to be. They're not the 35-goal scorer. That's not Gautier. But is mm-hmm. Gautier an absolute menace out there who can hit, Get in on the four check. Yeah, he does all these things well. Like to me, Gautier is a really perfect bottom six player who might only get eight to fifteen goals a year, depending on how he's shooting. Um, you know, he's gonna get a couple of those drives in there, he's gonna draw some penalties, he's big, he's fast. I love him as a bottom six player. Like to me, Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck hang him up. And if next year my fourth line is Zeker, fashing and Gautier, I'm really happy.
1: Oh, that's a good fourth line.
0: Right? I mean, <laughs>
1: 100%. Yeah. I mean, but to, to the point we were making earlier, injuries do come up. We've seen it a lot on the blue line. To go on a cup run, you need surplus forwards. You need to be able to not have a situation where you're plugging in Samuel Bolduc on the back end against Carolina for three games like last year. That can't happen. And you also need to be in a situation where you're not down to plugging in Kyle McClain and Carson Kuhlman. Hey, Kyle um,
0: McLean is a player, damn it. Okay, if Kyle McLean no,
1: he's a player, but <laughs> you don't want the first taste of his NHL. I think he could be a good player, and he's someone who might factor in next year when a couple guys and you know leave the team, Martin, Clutterbuck, et cetera. But having more good players
0: is never a bad thing.
1: Is never a bad thing, and I think Prezi would understand what he's coming. I, into.
0: I'd actually game. argue, and I think I've made this point before. If you, you want to use the uh, the football analogy, I think teams are better. When you can rotate through defensive linemen, you know? Let's say you've yeah. got, you know, you've got six defensive linemen to play those spots, so they're just coming in and they're fresh. I'd argue that's the same thing for bottom six players. I mean, obviously Peugeot and Szekas are are not coming out of the lineup because you need those centers. Mm-hmm. But and obviously Simon Holmstrom's not coming out because he did what he does uh, right. on special teams. But I, I'd argue that Gautier, Cal, and Fashing, it would not be the worst thing in the world if all those players played three out of four games.
1: And the I want only way to do that is to cal add another
0: player because you, you keep that energy you keep him hungry
1: yeah I I we both of us thought cal was finished and yeah another guy was a very been good case about. for him not to be killing penalties because he's too he's he's slow he's slowed down a lot but at five on five especially with fashing on that line him and suzekas have never looked better they are they're dangerous in the offensive zone now even even when they weren't scoring like those first couple opportunities I think it was in the Leafs game Clutterbuck had a couple really good looks early in that game. Uh, you know, just driving to the front of the net, a couple backhand opportunities. And then he's
0: always had a, he's always had a pretty good shot. Um, I mean, for, for against a fourth- Columbus,
1: huge goal, right? We're getting killed in the second period. Yeah. We give up two straight goals to Columbus fashing in on the forecheck. And I feel like it's every single game. This is happening where fashing is just getting up ice, causing havoc. Puck comes loose, clutterbuck wrist it, shot, we're right back in it. Yeah. And then we get it back. It's such a play.
0: simple game for those guys. They, yeah. They're not trying to reinvent the wheel. It's just fashing. Okay, what do you do?
1: Um, it, it's just... Skate a... fast, skate hard, and get us the puck. That's that's what's going on there right now. Yeah. And it used to be that Martin was able to do it never as quickly, and he was never able to carry the puck as well as fashing, but he had that energy way I back then.
0: I love Matt Martin. He just can't move anymore. Although, no. listen, another player we might have been wrong about as well. And I don't want to say wrong because I told people, hey, relax. Um, let's not, let's not judge a small sample size, but you know, we said Anders Lee is an issue. Meanwhile, Anders Lee is on pace for another 20 goal season. And if I had told you, and we talked about this last week, Hey, he's coming off power play one and he's still going to score 20 goals this season. You'd be like, I'll take it.
1: Sure. Absolutely. So and he's been, he's been useful. He's been forechecking better. So to answer the, the question that you were alluding to earlier, what are we adding? Where are we adding it? Yeah. What are we, ad- I just think, I think it's premature to, to, to get there yet. Right. I mean, knock on wood, hopefully we don't have any devastating injuries, which which creates a need for that. But there is no obvious Bo Horvat type acquisition that today would make sense to me. Right. Like, are you LTI? If, if the Penguins R-ing? are shopping Jake Gensel, should we call about Jake Gensel? Probably. How do you fit that in? How do you, you figure you know, it what out? Assets are you, you figure it out. But I, you know, I know a lot of people are pining for guys like, Duclair, I even mentioned Jordan Everly. Yeah, you At and I talked. Point, that where's
0: I just... Where's Everly? Like, okay, I get. Listen, Gensel, Pittsburgh's not moving. Gensel, guys, don't worry. Um, but Gensel, they yeah, might, they might. I mean, Dubis not moving. Get, stop it.
1: If they fall off the planet, they're not. They, they just brought in
0: Carlson, Crawls. I mean, what are they? They can't do that. They can't. They're not. So you're getting...
1: saying Kyle Dubas is too stupid to move Jake Gensel?
0: Yes. Well, okay. You, you can't. Fair you, you can't bring in Carlson. And have Crosby and Malkin, and then go. Yeah, let's let's rebuild. Um, it's just not going to happen. Anyway, I just don't know. If, I don't know where Everly
1: helps us. My thought process was that he would play on the first line with Horvat and Barzal. and just with the way that those guys are shooting, Everly's a good distributor and a good creator of offense. But listen, I think Anders with the Lee. Way we, Anders with, Lee
0: has been forechecking his. Butto. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, with the way he's Luz not playing, it kind of yeah. Oh my God! Wait, hard. did you, did you see this? In.
0: Did you see this, everybody? I, I, this is one of my favorite moments. Okay, John Tavares gets his thousandth points. Okay, uh, I know, I know. Everybody in the in the in the hockey world outside outside of the island was like, "Why are you booing him?" Okay, first of all, it's a goal with six seconds left. It's another blown lead, and, and it's our you know, it's the villain who gets the assist. And by the way, another garbage assist.
1: Off his touches.
0: Tavares, by the way, despite the one goal one assist effort from him. He can't move.
1: He looks, he, I said, did you see Anders Lee? Did you
0: see Anders Lee? Outrace
1: him to the puck, yes.
0: No, please. Tavares was skating the puck out of the zone in the third period.
1: And and Anders Lee Lee Lee
0: caught him. him, And I'm going, Anders Lee caught you. And stripped him. I, I I got to clip that. Somebody must have it. I'm going to clip it and see if I can tweet it. I know exactly
1: what you're talking about. I was just like,
0: Anders Lee just caught you. Now, listen, I, I hate John Tavares, okay? But he's a hell of a hockey player. He is absolute Hall of Famer, a hell of a hockey player. Um, He is, outside of like Sidney Crosby and a few others, he is one of the better, one of the best hockey players in and around the net and behind, like below the goal line. His sharp turns and body position and vision is just amazing. Where he doesn't need speed, he is so, so good, okay? But he he can't move anymore. That guy cannot move.
1: I said he's a rich man's Anders Lee at this point. Or but a poor not, man's
0: – or a really poor man's Sidney Crosby?
1: Like a destroyed, <laughs> beaten player. But kicked, you, you know what I mean? A Crosby, mug. I Crosby is just yeah, like
0: glorified – Crosby is just like the ultimate grinder. He's just so good below the goal line. He's the best Right, ever. But uh,
1: yeah, Tavares is at the point where like 95% of his offense generation is going to be within 10 feet of the net, which isn't, which isn't bad per se. But when you're making $11 million, I think you'd like a little bit more. Than, than what he's able to offer you right now. In transition, he does nothing.
0: No, absolutely absolutely nothing. Defensively, he's a liability. Um he's right. still he's still dangerous, like I said, is is the way he uses his body, to protect the puck, his vision on the edge. I ice. love that one play,
1: by the way. I think it was on the um yeah, it was on the it was on the Sezikis goal where Riley's skating behind the net in the zone and like Tavares is like trying to catch up to Riley and Bertuzzi's coming in for the hit, and Riley makes a great pass to Clutterbuck, who gets that to fashing, and then you know, we know the rest with the Suzekis goal. Um but he he is slow man.
0: He I really guess. is, really. By mad. the way, uh I applaud any of you Islander fans that were there and booed him. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, that can continue until he retires. Uh my let's, brother and let's my applaud Ross were Johnson loud
1: and booing proud.
0: Yeah. Uh, applaud Ross. Applaud Beauvillier. Applaud all the players that come back and always, always never change, boo John Tavares. Uh by the way, you see Pagio. <laughs> You see Paggio throw a punch at, at Ross last night? At Ross.
1: I love that. That's great. <laughs> Ross thought it was funny, too.
0: He really did. I, I, I think he appreciates that. He knows. He knows what Paggio is all like.
1: hundred percent. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think that was in good fun right there.
0: Okay. So, to go back to the trade thing. We we talked – you brought up Eberle. Where does he fit? But I guess it's an interesting point. If we could IR a player and send Martin away – would I think I don't know if I asked you this? Would you LTIR him or just waive him?
1: I don't think they would do him the indignity of waving him. I think he would be.
0: But if you wave him, you on can, if you waive him, you get to keep the uh, you can you can accrue more
1: money. But he can't waive his entire cap hit though. That's the problem.
0: Right. If it's uh, you can waive it's one point
1: one five. You'd have three hundred fifty thousand. That's dead cap. I think the the cleaner move would be if if he's on LTIR the rest of the year. Well, then you just got the benefit of a full one and a half million dollars.
0: Right. Right. Good point. Good point. Um, I mean, if you can keep somebody on IR, you know, with another fake, oh, he hurt his elbow, whatever it is, and that's pretty easy to do. Uh, You can keep all nine defensemen and 13 forwards. If Zach Parisi comes back, it's interesting. But it's just funny when you look at this team, and our tune could very easily change in two weeks, right? We lose a few games, we're like, oh, we need to get this now. But it is really interesting to kind of look at this team and go, I don't know what we need.
1: We need to not blow leads. That's what we need. We need to not blow leads. Um, regardless of what happens with, with players getting activated, who's on LTR, who's not, I I think we can both agree at this point that Wallstrom's probably not going to be on the regular season roster past the trade deadline.
0: No, I think, yeah, he, he's, he is the B or C level prospect that's thrown in with a pick.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think so.
0: Uh For sure. Hey, we've been, uh, we have had a, a much longer conversation than we normally have. Uh, I hope you guys are appreciating the show. We certainly uh, are, are enjoying this one. We had four games and a lot of stuff to talk about here. Uh, if you want to follow Phil, uh, he is at Phil's Facts. I am at Tuck on Sports. Phil, do you have two minutes to, t- to go through the Twitter questions that went out there? Or
1: no. let's let's do it real quick i don't think there were that many and we'll just go through the ones that are
0: if you have any questions for us do uh tweet phil tweet myself you can also tweet I- at aisles fix uh let us know what questions you have and uh you want to answer it for next week's show we do this each and every week and we certainly do appreciate your support uh spread the word tell your friends about it uh tell your hockey friends about it uh we try our best to talk about uh, uh not just the islanders we try to talk about other other games as well
1: so uh, I'll just go in order here. Matt at Islanders takes. We, we love Matt at Islanders takes. He'd love to hear some discussion on which player ends up getting wave traded and who targets who trade targets would be for Lou. I personally believe the defense is more or less set. Now Wallstrom Aho, both out, which forward is the target? Who could they afford? I think we just covered all that. So if you listen to the last 15 minutes of our conversation, all of that came up, Matt, um, we think Wallstrom is out. Aho could potentially be out. Ultimately. It's just going to be a function of when Pelican is activated um, and whether or not someone else goes on LTIR. So uh, I would assume if they have to make choices and have to get rid of two players, I would think that Wallstrom and Aho get the short end of the stick. Thomas I'm be- Boyle. Hold on. I'm a,
0: I'm a betting man. What odds do you give Zach Parisi lacing him up this year for the Islanders?
1: Very good odds.
0: Yeah, I, I think so too. I think with them winning again and, and in the thick of it, I, I think he's hungry for one. I mean, I mean, he has not filed his retirement papers yet.
1: No, that's right. We know that he hasn't. Um, and Lou said that he's always welcome here and he's seeing them winning and he's seeing us chasing down the Rangers, only four points back. The Rangers, if let's, let's get a big win against, by Boston. the way,
0: if, uh, if our second PK is Casey, Casey Parisi, instead of uh, Casey Cal, that's pretty strong.
1: Wow. I would love that. Yeah, me too. Absolutely okay. love that. Let's move on. Uh, next uh, question. Thomas Boyle asks with the injuries piling up on defense. Does going after the Bruins defenseman Zaboral make sense today? The answer is Zaborl cleared waivers as predicted. Um, it wouldn't have made sense anyways, because you have to keep that player on the active roster and they don't have a roster spot. For or a pe- guy like Zaborl, for, he doesn't make them better. For people who at, don't he, know
0: how waivers work, How, how do you, just really, really quick, how do, you, how do they Yeah, work? really
1: quick. When you pick someone up on waivers, they have to be on your active roster. If you wave them down, the team that waived them originally gets to put in a claim. And if they're the only team that puts in a claim, then it goes to their farm team but you cannot directly pick up someone off waivers and assign them to the ahl it doesn't work that way they have to be kept on the active roster so between aho and riley and Bolduke there really just isn't a spot for a guy like Zaboral, who isn't particularly good and wouldn't make anyone better i would probably expect that they would consider guys like Cholaski and Salo to be equally as valuable if not more than jacob Zaboral at this point um, Gary Mal Pelly asks for me, Phil, it would be, who'd your top couple of targets be at the trade deadline. I really believe this team is one more forward away from being serious contender and think the defense is more or less set. If Pelican plug, both get healthy. Would love your thoughts. Again, we spoke about that really unclear right now. If there's a big fish like Gensel out there, obviously you'd like to see Lou be proactive about that. But I think, you know, in the conversation that Dave and I just had, it doesn't seem to be as obvious as it was last year. Where last year you had Bailey and Bovillier and guys who were legitimate black holes bringing nothing in the top six. That just hasn't been the case as much this year.
0: It's also it's also difficult to understand because, you know, at this point, things are so clogged up in the NHL. A team has to be out of it. And as of December 14th when we're recording this, it's just hard to know who's out of it and selling Right? I mean, okay, Columbus. Yeah. Uh, You know, maybe Chicago Blackhawks. But the Blackhawks have to leave something there. I mean, they lost Taylor Hall. You know, obviously they lost Corey Perry for different reasons. They want to have something around Bedard. Um, You know, the Ducks are starting to fade. You know, maybe they they move uh, Henrique or something like that. But, you know, you've got to look and go, who's out there? And and at this point, it's just hard to know, A, what our needs are, and, B, who's going to be
1: available. Correct um we have jack anton who asks when everyone is healthy on d i'd like to see pelic dobson romanov Pollock, riley bortuzo and then the extras is ahu and mayfield any chance i get my wish so what i'm going to say to this is i think as we discussed earlier pelic and Pollock work best together romanov and dobson are playing well so i wouldn't i wouldn't do that i would keep them as is right now i would go riley mayfield when mayfield's healthy i know he hasn't looked pretty this year i think in large part it's because of his health we know Mayfield is good in the playoffs. He's always been good in the playoffs. That's really when he steps up his game, you're able to get away with more clutching and grabbing and cross-checking and some of those gray area stuff that you can't necessarily do in the regular season. So I think Bortuzzo is a nice plug, but I don't think he's as good a player as Mayfield. Yeah, If Um, if healthy. If if Mayfield's not healthy, then... If healthy, of course. Right. Then for sure Bortuzzo. And then, again, I don't see them waving Balduk. So are you going to get your wish? I, I don't think so, Jack, but... Um, you know, good suggestions and last but not least aisles snob asks who should be benched when Parisi comes back and why is it Anders Lee? (laughs) Don't think it's going to be Anders Lee. Um, but yeah, again, something that we touched on where it's not necessarily that Zach comes back to be an everyday player or an everyday player right away. As Dave mentioned with, with, you know, load management, some of these older guys, it just might make sense to kind of create a platoon situation. And work Zach into that so that everyone's fresh for the playoffs.
0: I will tell you that while that's something I want, and it sounds like you want it too, Phil, I, I think that if Parisi comes back, we're going to be disappointed because my guess is that Gauthier or Fashion go to the go to the uh, press box. Oh, I mean, tell me I'm wrong.
1: I don't think you're wrong.
0: And but but I will say this: if Parisi is what we saw last year when not tired, the third line of Peugeot, Holmstrom, Parisi.
1: Oh, man, that's a good defensive line.
0: And you probably just leave Fashing on the fourth line and Gautier becomes your 13th forward.
1: Yeah, which... It's fine. Rough that he gets the short end of the stick because he's doing everything right.
0: He is, he is. It's just a matter of like, Parisi... I I just can't imagine a scenario where Parisi is coming back and being the 13th forward.
1: Yeah, you're probably right.
0: So, I mean, so we'll be disappointed, but we'll be disappointed for a moment or two and then we'll see how good 44 uh, works with, uh, with Holmstrom and, pa- and Parisi. And we'll be like, okay, that's okay yeah exactly. <laughs> that's a, that's a third line nobody wants to play against. Anyway, uh, is that it for it?
1: That is it for now. Okay, we'll see great them next week. hopefully a couple more wins. Tough schedule coming up. Boston at home, and then we got to travel less than 24 hours to Montreal. that's that's a little bit unfair. Hey, but it, one it, game at a time.
0: It's unfair, but we've we've locked up some points. And this is the important thing. And without Pellick, without Pollock, we beat Toronto. We beat a, a King's team that's been an absolute wagon coming in. I mean, they were an 11 game road winning streak when we beat them down to nothing right we beat yep. Toronto and then we beat we beat two teams that we were supposed to win but those are still games you've got to win yep. and you know you, you you uh the way this team is playing right now and Boston has shown a, a few warts wouldn't surprise me at all if we uh, uh we won tomorrow night either
1: let's go get it
0: let's go get it okay we're putting a ball on this guys once again thanks so much for uh, listening to the red line presented by iOS fix uh, follow us on Twitter uh, we certainly appreciate it and we'll see you next week bye-bye